Joining us today is Dave Petch, bomb thrower extraordinaire and in charge of avalanche safety at Lake Louise. In this explosive episode, you can expect unique song and drink recommendations and a few impactful stories about on-hill first responders. And see if today's guest can name that sound and hear how he answers our fast five. When you have 75 feet of vertical, there isn't much worry of avalanche. See, I've come from Chickabee Ski Club in Kitchener, Ontario. Before that, it was Remy Lake Ski Hill, which was actually a hole dug into the ground with a rope toe up the middle. So that is where I learned how to ski in Ontario until now my home is Lake Louise. And Dave Petch is who is joining us now. You are a senior avalanche safety. So you essentially take care of the avalanches here. And we are at a very big mountain. So welcome. Thank you for uh, carving out time to join us here. It's my uh, pleasure to be here. I hope uh, I hope nobody's safety is at risk because we're stealing your time here. <laughs> I got, it's in good hands right now. That's pretty good. I mean, there's 4,275 acres of diverse terrain here at Lake Louise. That's a pretty complex mountain. Can you tell us a little bit about the complexities and how you essentially save people from themselves? <laughs> yeah. Um, so like you said, it is uh, a large variety of terrain that we have at the ski resort. We've got alpine, treeline, below treeline, really big bowls, steep shoots, um, kind of everything for every type of skier out there you can probably find at Lake Louise. And we also have a large amount of avalanche terrain. So it requires quite a bit of uh, babysitting and work. And in a nutshell, what our job is, is to reduce the avalanche risk to a tolerable level out there so that it's safe for the public. See, I hear avalanche train and I'm like, oh, that's the fun stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And it is, it is the fun stuff. And that avalanche is not fun, but that's why you are so good at your job and why the public and people come here with a sense of safety. And I have also heard though, that the snowpack um, is a little bit like a box of chocolates. It can be, you just never know what you're going to get. Can you describe the complexities of the snowpack at a place like Lake Louise? Yeah, uh, so our snowpack is a continental snowpack. Um, For layman people, what that means is it's a little bit less than maybe Whistler uh, or interior BC, and it's also drier. So it can be kind of a catch-22. It's drier, so we get powder lasts longer here. We We get legitimate champagne powder where it's very blower. But it's also, um, it doesn't have as much water content, so it doesn't pack down as much um, or as fast. So we have to really work terrain to make it safe for everyone. Again, I hear dryer and I think, oh, that's the good stuff. See, you're, <laughs> you're supposed to be like, you know, all the safety. And I'm, I'm just hearing uh, dreams of dropping into shoots with the dry champagne powder, avalanche terrain. And I, I'm not going to lie, I'm like feeling a buzz that I want to go ski. (laughs) And for yourself, 
I mean, you were actually trained to be a teacher and yet you went into being a patroller. And can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I know it was a sad event, but what sort of brought you into this world and why, uh, why you're here doing what you do? Yeah, it's so right now is the 25 year anniversary of uh, when four of my friends died in an avalanche in while I was in high school. So um, post event, there's a number of people, um, Lake Louise, Sunshine, Parks Canada, and the Volunteer Ski Patrol, to name a few people who came together, and they actually ran an avalanche course for us. And so rather than taking the stance that avalanches are are dangerous and the backcountry is uh, a place where no one should go, they took the stance that the only way to really affect us is to equip us with the knowledge to make good choices for ourselves. So I think that was a, a big move for them to do. Um, it's maybe not the typical way, and but it really worked out for us. And it was definitely what my class and everyone affected by that really needed at that time. That's pretty fascinating. And so the work you're doing, the the safety that you bring to Lake Louise, and to be clear that that incident did happen in the backcountry. It didn't happen in bounds at Lake Louise. No, um, yeah, that's true. And that is true. And if you were to give an elevator pitch to yourself or to somebody <laughs> like you, what would your elevator pitch at a job fair be? Well, you definitely have to love skiing um, to go into this job. No one's in it to make big money. Um, but we do, most of us, actually all of us, um, really do love skiing. We really do love skiing, steep terrain, all the fun stuff. Like, that's why we do this. And, uh, you know, we may not may not be the, like, quantity of turns that I used to get, but definitely the quality of turn that I get is very, very nice. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The, oh, sorry. Finish your elevator no, pitch. No, no, it's yeah, okay. Finish your elevator pitch. Uh, I, I'll come back to you. More elevator pitch. Elevate, 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 pitch. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good elevator pitch, though. All those important quality turns over quantity turns. I think that that's yeah. pretty nice. And I, I think of myself. I get off, you know, the top chair. If I'm at the top of Whitehorn, there is no better feeling. And it's only happened to me once, where I'm getting off the chair. And I watch the patroller open the line, and then it's no longer closed, and the backside is open. And I just, because <gasps> if it's a big snow day, you got to wait for it. There's some explosives, there's some bombs need to go off to make it safe. And that feeling of knowing that you are the first public to get there, and yeah, you guys have done your job, so I can just go and play. Um, do you know what that feeling is like that you are eliciting when you remove that close sign? Yeah, it's immensely uh, satisfying for the opener as well. The just the level of stoke that people have when you're <laughs> you're that person. It's uh, it it doesn't get old. Um, it it's as satisfying for us as it is for for the people who get to drop in. Oh, I just that moment seeing the close side move. It it does. It makes me very very happy, um, and. You start your day with explosives, and uh, I'm not talking about, you know, the caffeine content in your coffee. You actually are talking bombs, and on a big day, you throw roughly 20 to 30 bombs, and in a big year, tell us how many do you throw in a big year? 
So on average, we'd throw between 1,500 and 2,000 bombs in a season. Um, and our season runs from starting about second week of October and then running into May. Okay, so. are, are you packing the bombs yourself? <laughs> like, do, you have, <laughs> do you have like a little like bomb kit in your garage? How does that work? No, it's a little more scientific than that, but um, we do carry bombs on us in our backpack. And Lake Louise is, uh, the way the topography is, is actually really nice for us in delivering explosives into the avalanche start zone areas. Um, so most of our explosive delivery is throwing by hand. Uh, we take it and throw it to where we think we'll get the most effect um, and hopefully trigger an avalanche. So that's really dangerous considering you're a, a hand model. I've, <laughs> I've heard you've been a hand, foot, and butt model for well, Ski Big 3, so you got to walk me through particularly the butt model. <laughs> well, mostly the hand model is me holding bombs right before throwing bombs Okay, is okay. where the hand modeling mostly comes into effect. Obviously, you still have all your fingers, so you know, yeah. still a very good hand model. Okay. There's definitely been my hands in many, many shots. <laughs> And then it's usually a low angle hiking shot where it's just my butt or my boots. <laughs> and <laughs> that's the majority of my shots that have been in promotional material. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminds me of a moment. I did a Sony commercial and uh, we had, uh, it was almost 15 photographers and the producers and everybody. And I, they wanted me to push out of the start. So I kept going up and down and just with the view of the Rocky Mountains, the epic view from Lake Louise. And so again and again and again, and I just finally turned around. I was like, I've never had so many people shooting my ass <laughs> for an hour straight of just all from behind getting the view and I was just a part of it but uh yeah so I can I can relate to the butt model side it's uh it's a different feeling but um you know we can we can we can share on that we can commiserate over being butt models um now you're also a DJ on the side so we walked in and we have a pretty nice setup here for this uh podcast and this recording equipment and you're a DJ so you actually you've got you've got some moves you have some awareness so I'm curious like, what kind of music do you like? Do you like just listening to the mountains? Are you just aware of the mountains? Or are you actually pumping music for yourself, too, while you're out there? Uh, well, when I'm working, I don't have music um, playing. Uh, obviously, that wouldn't be very safe. But I do feel like oftentimes uh, I'm thinking about, like, what would be a sweet track right now? Or I'm talking on the chairlift a lot about, like, music. Um, my colleagues would definitely say... I have a weird obsession about talking about bands, <laughs> ones that I like, ones that I strongly dislike. Um, we're planning an intervention with one of our Kiwi Avi guys because he's a really big gray or bare naked ladies fan. So we got deep into that yesterday. Um, sorry if either of you are bare naked ladies. Hey, fans. it's Canadian content <laughs> right there. Come on. It's great. Well, he's Kiwi. He hasn't grown up with it as much. So we're giving him a little grace. <laughs> when you grew up skiing at Pascapoo in Calgary, so uh, this is quite a shift. I mean, we're only two hours away from Calgary, Lake Louise. Yeah. However, it is a different world. Can you talk a little bit about the community that has not only drew you here, but kept you here? Yeah, living in Banff, it has a really, a really great community. So although it may seem quite touristy on the main streets, 
the backbone of Banff is a very tight community. Um, lots of people extremely into outdoor pursuits, skiing, hiking, all the different things that you can do in these lovely mountains. And uh, it's a really great place to raise a family. And uh, growing up in Calgary, it was the same. It was like, you're so close to the mountains that you, you just have to come and take advantage of these amazing mountains and get out here. And that was strongly encouraged in my family from a very young age. And most of my friends and their families too were deeply passionate about coming out here. Tell us a little bit about your family. <laughs> um, I personally, I have two kids. One is eight and one is 12. Um, Charlie is the 12 year old boy and my daughter Odette is eight and they are hopefully in school today. I have <laughs> noticed that there's a lot of kids pulling a, uh, mental wellness day yeah fresh really. snow fresh snow it's amazing how yeah. those mental wellness days show up on fresh snow days <laughs> yeah and then my parents still live in calgary and still come up to the mountains on a regular basis they've got a hiking group called the scrackens and they go hiking every friday or snowshoeing or cross-country skiing if that's what you're into look up the scrackens <laughs> <laughs> now your job is to save us from ourselves out there, the people like me who love steep terrain, who love the champagne powder, but you must know the secret, the ultimate secret spots. So can you give us a little insight into where you go? If things are fairly tracked out, where do you go looking for that last one or two turns of powder? Well, I was taught a long time ago to not tell the best place but I'll tell you the second best place. <laughs> All right. All right. Fair enough. We'll take it. Second best. Um, so if you're looking for Alpine, um, a really good secret-ish spot is if you're skiing Whitehorn 1 and you hug the left rope line and roll into Ridge Run, and then that actually rolls into A Gully, that's a really good bang for your buck fall line Alpine run. I've decided every episode of this podcast, we're going to have to put a caveat right at the beginning that people need to listen while they have a map of the mountain because there's so many awesome little nuggets. And every person we've spoken to has had a different element of this mountain that has been what they shared and that has connected with them. Is there a spot that connects with you emotionally, not just looking for powder, but just somewhere that you just sort of think of perhaps if you're at another part of life and you need your own little mountain getaway? My little happy spot little that I go where's to. Where's your happy spot, Dave? <laughs> Tell us about your happy spot. Um, there's a run at Lake Louise called Upper North Cornus. Um, it's very well concealed, but it's it's a very beautiful, it's got a cornice feature on the skier's left. And most of the cornices are kind of favor the right turn. I guess I'm a bit of an omni-turner and like to turn one direction more than the other. <laughs> Were you a speed skater in another life? <laughs> yeah, on. it's exactly. So this one actually goes in the direction that I like, and it's a good, happy place where I go to. It's, it's a really nice run. What about your kids? What's their favorite spot? Um, their favorite spot right now is, well, Charlie loves Charlie's Choice. Of course. <laughs> Obviously also, named after your Charlie, not Charlie yeah, who owns exactly. the resort. <laughs> and he loves Jerry's Jungle, which is a great place to go in the trees, especially on a day like today. First thing, you can get 
beautiful turns in the trees. It's really nice. Um, and then my daughter has recently discovered Oli Catrack, um, which is also a contender for my son's favorite run. But I think now she has renamed it Oe Catrack, which is what we call her. So Oe Catrack is going to be a, a common place we go. Her brother Charlie has a run named after him, so she obviously needs the same. So we're going to have to work that out. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we have a segment called Name That Sound. So we're going to play a sound for you, and we're going to see if you can name it, if you know what it is. You ready? What do you think? (laughs) Best guess. (laughs) I don't want to say it's the sound of riding on summit chair. Do they, can okay. they hear the sound? Too? Yeah, they can hear it. We'll, here, we'll play it one more time. <laughs> this is actually a really good sign. So that means our avalanche safety guy, our top guy, does not know the sound of an avalanche. So this is, I'm just going to applaud because this is actually really is good. Is that the sound of an avalanche or the sound of our bombs echoing <laughs> through the valley? <laughs> Actually, a bit of both, I would say. Sound of an avalanche is what they what what it is. Like by the BBC. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to quote my source. I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm calling your sources here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I okay. I, I might not. I might have thought the same thing. I was like, I don't know if this sounds like an avalanche or not. But I mean, I thought it was bombs, but <laughs> that just seemed too obvious. Our producer's just giggling away here in the background, which uh, is awesome. Um, okay, we're going to move on to now the fast five. So our fast oh, five. I only get one so- one sound? It's only one sound. That's oh, it. Man. You want more? See, you know what? You're just, we're competitors. All right, you ready? We'll see. We're going to compare you now to other episodes. Here's another sound for you to identify. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds like a real nice slash. <laughs> yep. A great turn. A great turn. That's a ski turn right there. Well done. It, looks wanna... like, it sounds like they even finished their turn the whole way through. <laughs> it was not a carve, though. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So now we have our fast fives. So first of all, favorite run at Lake Louise? Yeah, I have to go back to Upper North Cornice. Fair enough. Current ski of choice. Today definitely was enjoying the Blizzard Rustler 11. All right. That was definitely the ski to be on today. All right. Now, I know you don't listen to music when you're working. However, if you were about to drop in to your favorite run on an epic champagne powder day here at Lake Louise, what song would you have playing? It does change daily. You are a DJ, so I'm, I'm curious what your soundtrack is. There's pressure now. And What's always, your soundtrack? And I always put the pressure on other people for this one. Um, today, it would be Ween, Freedom on the 76. It's a very good POW song. And I've been waiting for one of the movie people to use it. Uh, go to lens color of choice. Well, it's always sunny here, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
Alberta, I, sunny Alberta. No, I really, I have these uh, photochromatic um, Smith lenses, and I don't think they have a color designation because they, they change. They change. And so, is the change fast enough for you? I found it's too slow for me. Well, it changes fast enough that I thought they didn't work. Huh. <laughs> so Cool. They've been, they've been really great. That's pretty great. All right. Okay. Now, most important question um, as we near the end of this episode, uh, favorite Apresky drink? Ooh, I mean, I, I just like beer. I like <laughs> to keep it n- simple. <laughs> Simple's good. Yeah. The uh, beer is great. If I'm going to go to the more mixed drink variety, shafts are always a nice one. I'm quite fond of those. And uh, okay, I'm gonna yeah. be the dork. What's it? What's in a shaft? Well, well, there is, um, I think the technical is like day old coffee, vodka, Kahlua, and it's put on ice. There's a, one other thing I'm forgetting here, and then it's a, it's a tipper, not a sipper. It's a tipper, not a sipper. Well, Dave, you had me at day old coffee. <laughs> But apparently it was invented in the bar and grill here. Um, But they say it was invented in a place in Calgary. And then it's kind of involved into, um, there's a new drink that you can buy, Mountain Joe, which is like a shaft, but with oat milk. And it's in a can and ready to go. And it's sweet. I am excited I asked here because I was like, I feel like I might be a dork here asking, but this is a really interesting answer. So <laughs> it's taken off with like, if you go into like Chatter Creek, there's a big shaft following there. If you go to uh, a few downtown Calgary uh, establishments, there, there's a following. You gotta have these nuggets. This is a locals nugget. I love your locals nugget. That's perfect. It's like the next Caesar. I am legit, like, curious about what it feels like to throw a bomb. And, I mean, I hear the bombs, right, when they're going and things. And you just, the way they reverberate around the valley and off the mountains, it's it's quite something. So what does it feel like for you, just that whole experience and the exhilaration of doing it? Well, it's still, it's still a very visceral experience when you get a large result from a bomb. Like, result being avalanche. Yeah, avalanche. <laughs> and, like, seeing a whole mountainside come down because of something you've done is fairly invigorating. I can see that. Um, so the novelty doesn't get old. Um, I've been doing this for 19 years now. Well, we'll call it 17 years throwing explosives, and it's still about as fun now as it used to be. And you still have all your fingers. <laughs> still have my fingers. It, I mean, it's not as I know, I know. it's not as crazy as people might think. There's like a two-and-a-half-minute safety fuse, And you can travel a large amount of distance in two and a half minutes. And the shots themselves are very safe um, without the little detonator that is at the end of the safety fuse. They're not going to ignite spontaneously. And we have special match. It's an igniter that goes on the end of the fuse that is very reliable. So the whole system is quite scientific. It's not us standing on ridgetops with, like, cigars and... <laughs> and building the bombs in your garages yeah. beforehand. Okay, well, that's, that's, I'm happy to hear that. Now, you've also, you're a patroller. You're working in the safety for this uh, resort for a long time. What's the craziest, um, 
least smart, and I don't want to say stupid, but I'm just going to say to you, what's the stupidest thing you've seen a tourist do? Uh, <laughs> and what is your best story, success story for, you know, helping somebody out? So first, let's start with uh, crazy. Crazy? Well, it's not like st- stupid because they didn't, <laughs> it was more just spectacular. Um, we had a an airbag for a little while. And it was actually right above where we're sitting right now. And one individual, he came in and he was trying to do a backflip. And he got overexcited and he threw his head back really fast and hit it off the edge of the jump, which is a horrible situation to be in. He knocked himself out, landed in the airbag. But as happens with a lot of head injuries, he also got combative. So Ski Patrol went into the airbag and tried to help him, at which point it became a WWF wrestling match. In with, an airbag? In an airbag with the individual. Not funny, funny. And then said individual, because he had hit his head, proceeded to start vomiting like a spawn of Satan everywhere <laughs> while they were in the airbag. <laughs> and the wrestling in continued with said individual as this had all happened and I happened to pull up on scene uh, moments after everything had subsided and all the air had been let out of the airbag and everything was uh, the dust was settling but that is the craziest the craziest (laughs) single event that I have seen the puke was settling oh my goodness okay well that's quite a visual Dave thanks for sharing that sorry Um. (laughs) I'm glad it was before lunch or after lunch, not before. I'm glad it was after lunch too. Um, Everybody listening, hopefully you've finished eating whatever you're eating. Um, (laughs) Now, what's your best success story? Something that just gives you the warm and fuzzies for what you do? Well, I think like on a given season, there's a lot of success stories where we've worked really hard to get terrain ready to open. So every time we, we crack something, that feels like a success story. Uh, assuming that we have done a really good job. And um, so on a yearly basis, there's like, you know, opening Whitehorn 1 for the first time feels like a great success story. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as far as uh, first aid goes, um, you know, anytime it's, you know, there's major injuries and you can help someone deal with it, whoever whether it's a, you know, just a cut to the finger or a broken femur, it's like as long as people feel like they've been handled safely and taken off the mountain and feel like everything that should have been done was done is uh, a success, I'd say. You know what, I, I mean, I can speak to that a little bit. It wasn't a patroller who was first on site for my accident, so I was a downhill ski racer and uh, had a really bad accident in France, and it was during a race um, and blew my knee quite spectacularly um and it was also a month and a half before home olympics in vancouver and i knew instantly that all my life's plans had changed in that moment Um, but also the pain was excruciating and the first group that came to me all remained roughly five meters away from me because i was screaming and it was all male volunteers, and they didn't know what to do. And so they just, they just were afraid to do anything. So they all just kind of stood there. And I had an awareness there was people around me, but I was so in the pain. 
And one volunteer, a woman, I still to this day don't know who she is, but she came up, she wrapped her arms around me, and she just said, I'm here, I'm here, I'm with you. And it was everything. It meant so much. So a first responder, what you do, how you interact with somebody who's gone through something traumatic, it's massive. What you do is really important. And, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I agree <laughs> 100% on that. So, you know, everyone has their own experience too. And like what is super traumatic for one person might not be for another. So just treating them all like they're equally important. It goes a long way. And I'm sure that's hard. I also saw a gentleman just above Whitehorn Restaurant. <laughs> I was going in to just warm up for a second, as many of us do, have a little mid-morning coffee at Whitehorn. And I look up the hill. First, I noticed... a uh, ski instructor, who just looked utterly defeated. And I was like, what's going on? And then I look up the hill and I see his client, <laughs> skis off, poles thrown, walking down. But get this, ski boots were off as well. He was walking down in his socks. He was done, 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 done. And he was tapping out. <laughs> and I just, I've seen a lot of things. But I've never seen somebody walking down in their socks from a mountain. So that, that was quite something. Um, but like you said, everybody has different, uh, they're coming into things with their different skill sets, different histories. And so just treating everybody with respect. So on You're behalf of uh, all of us out there <laughs> throwing down, thank you. You remind me of a very, well, random story, but when you said someone walking down the hill in their socks. Um, I don't know if you remember back in the day, there was Reikley, I think they were called Flexcons. They were like three buckle um, boots. And I was really excited that I had a pair of them. And they were maybe a little on the big side, but I love them. And I was skiing with one of the few guys that I idolized at the time. I think I was like 12 years old. And I came into this launch... <laughs> in hourglass and my boots flew apart and I bailed out of my ski boots on the landing <laughs> and they both boots, both boots exploded. <laughs> so, so there's Dave Petch, 12 years old, flying through the air without skis, boots, nothing. You're just, yeah, you're just, I think soft. like the ski boots were still attached <laughs> to the bindings. <laughs> I, I haven't, I've seen that happen actually, but it was to like a really little kid when they just kind of fell over and they just popped out of both of their boots. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cute. <laughs> oh, well, this is entertaining. Thanks for uh, sharing a bunch of your stories. My pleasure. Thanks to Patch for uh, sharing his stories and for all the hard work he does keeping us safe out there on the mountain. Now, if you joined us because you needed a mountain break from daily life or perhaps you were passing the time while driving to Lake Louise, whatever the case, thanks for choosing to share your time with us. As always, it's a privilege. On behalf of Lake Louise Ski Resort, I'm Kelly Vanderbeek, and that wraps today's episode. Stay tuned as more legends visit me and my microphone.